Chapter Nineteen of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny. Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Nineteen, A Matter of Letters. Susan said afterward, in speaking of that spring, that twas nothing but just one series of letters and indeed life did seem to be mostly made up of letters at the sanatorium keith was waiting for spring and the new doctor and that the waiting was proving to be a little nerve-wracking was proved by the infrequency of his letters home and the shortness and uncommunicativeness of such as did come letters to him from hinsdale were longer and were invariably bright and cheery yet they did not really tell so much after all to be sure they did contain frequent references to your miss stuart and gave carefully casual accounts of what she did and said in the very first letter susan had hit upon the idea of always referring to the young lady as your miss stuart then we won't be telling no lies she had explained to mr burton cause she is his miss stuart see she certainly don't belong to no one else under that name that's sure but however communicative as regards miss stuart the letters were they were very far from that as regarded some other matters for instance neither in daniel burton's letters or in susan's was there any reference to the new clerk in mcguire's grocery store so far as anything that keith knew to the contrary his father was still painting unsellable pictures in the burton homestead studio but even these were not all the letters that spring there were letters of john mcguire from far-away france really wonderful letters letters that brought to the little new england town the very breadth of the battlefield itself the smell of its smoke the shriek of its shells and with mr burton with susan and with the whole neighborhood indeed mrs mcguire shared them they were even printed occasionally in the town's weekly newspaper and they were talked of everywhere day in and day out no wonder then that to susan the spring seemed but a series of letters it was in may that the great paris doctor was expected but late in april came a letter from dr stewart saying that owing to war conditions the doctor had been delayed he would not reach this country now until july which meant two more months of weary raiding for keith and for keith's friends at home it was just here that susan's patience snapped when you get yourself screwed up to stand just so much and then you come along with just a little more something's got to break i tell you well i've broke whether as a result of the break or not susan did not say neither did she mention whether it was to assuage her own grief or to alleviate keith's but whatever it was susan wrote these verses and sent them to keith by the day when our back is nigh to breakin', and our strength is nearly gone, and along there comes a layin' of another burden on, if we'll only just remember, no matter what's to pay, that tisn't yet December, and we're livin' by the day, most any one can stand it, what just today has brought, and when we try to lump it and take it by the lot, and why my back would double and any legs bend, if we pile on the trouble meant to last us till the end so if we'll just remember 
half the woe from life will rob if we'll only take it by the day and not live it by the job of course that tisn't yet december is poem license and hadn't really got much sense of it wrote susan in the letter she sent with the verses i put it mostly to rhyme with remember there simply wasn't a thing to rhyme with that word but do you know after i got it down i saw it really could mean something after all kind of diabolical like for the end of life you know like december is the end of the year well anyhow they done me lots of good them verses did and i hope they will you in june dorothy parkman was graduated from the hinesdale academy both mr burton and susan attended the exercises though not together then susan sat down and wrote the glowing account of the affair to keith dilating upon the fine showing that your miss stewart made it can't last forever of course this subtracting miss stewart's name for dorothy parkman she said to mr burton when she handed him the letter to mail but i'm just bound and determined it shall last till that there paris doctor gets his hands on him and she ain't going back now to her father's for quite a spell mrs dorothy i mean further explained susan i guess she don't want to take no chances herself of his finding out and just yet declared susan with a sage wag of her head anyhow she had an inspiration to go see a girl down on the beach and she's going so we're safe for a while but oh if july'd only hurry up and come and yet when july came they were so glad afterward that dr stewart wrote the letter that in a measure prepared them for the bad news he wrote the day before the operation he said that the great oculist was immensely interested in the case and eager to see what he could do though he could hold out no sort of promise that he would be able to accomplish the desired results dr stewart warned them therefore not to expect anything though of course they might hope hard in the heels of the letter came the telegram the operation had been performed and had failed they feared they could not tell surely however until the bandages were removed which would be early in august but even if it had failed there was yet one more chance the doctor wrote he would say nothing about that however until he was obliged to in august he wrote about it he was obliged to the operation had been so near failure that they might as well call it that the paris oculist however had not given up hope there was just one man in the world who might accomplish the seemingly impossible and give back sight to keith's eyes at least a measure of sight he said this man lived in london he had been singularly successful in several of the few similar cases known to the profession therefore with the kind permission the great paris doctor would take keith back with him to his brother's oculist in london he would like to take ship at once and as soon as arrangements could possibly be made there would be delay enough anyway as it was so far as any question of pay was concerned the indebtedness would be on their side entirely if they were privileged to perform the operation for each new case of this rare malady added knowledge of unfold value to the profession hence to humanity in general he begged therefore a prompt word of permission from keith's father don't you give it don't you give it chattered susan with white lips when the proposition was made clear to her why susan i thought you'd be willing to try anything anything for keith's sake 
and so i would sir anything in season but not this do you think i'd set that blessed boy afloat atop of them submarines and gas mines and to go to london for them german zephyrins to rain down bombs and shrapnel on his head and he not being able to see thing to dodge em when he sees em coming why daniel burton i'm ashamed of you to think of it for a minute there there susan that will do you mean well i know but this is a matter i'll have to settle for myself for myself he muttered with stern dignity rising to his feet yet when he left the room a moment later head and shoulders bowed he looked so old and worn that susan gazing after him put a spasmodic hand to her throat and i just know i'm going to lose em both now she choked as she turned away keith went to london then came more weeks of weary anxious waiting letters were not so regular now nor so frequent definite news was hard to obtain yet in the end it came all too soon and it was piteously definite keith was coming home the great london doctor too had failed end of chapter nineteen recording by sunny